something great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon. Swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here, the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup, actually, just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 61 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And how are you doing this week? I'm coming to you live, or I should say recorded, from my basement studio, which for the last three months has had to be my basement office. Um, so right now I am doing double duty. It is... It is Tuesday, June the 16th. It's about 5.45 in the afternoon here on the east coast of the United States. I am technically at work right now. <laughs> I am technically at work right now, but I don't care because it's time to put out an episode because Benfica kick off in less than 24 hours. And you know Mr. Benfica has got to come through with... An episode before that match kicks off. Now, we got a lot of things going on during this recording, okay? I'm sitting here, like I said, I am at work, so hopefully this phone does not ring while I'm doing this because, quite frankly, I'm not going to answer it if it does. Hopefully the cell phone stays quiet. Hopefully no coworkers call looking for help because I'm not answering them, all right? I am recording Mr. Benfica episode 61. I've also got, and I don't know why I do this to myself, I don't know why I do this to myself, but on my work computer, there's no work on there. I've got Porto versus Avj up right now, and it is absolutely um, just adding to the nervousness. I don't know why I'm torturing myself with that. But, man, between Benfica and Porto, both teams just play some abysmal football when they're desperate. Neither team has any imagination. Neither team knows how to break down a team that's packing it in against them. It's all forced play as I'm watching this. And, uh, well, the referee has tried to help Porto out. He's called two penalty kicks for them today. Uh, the VAR the, <laughs> the VAR verified one of them incorrectly. I've never seen that called a penalty kick before in my life. The goalkeeper comes out, punches the ball cleanly, and it's it's called a penalty kick. And then another one that was called but was had to be called back, fortunately, due to an offside. So... This is what we ha have right now. Benfica are playing like crap, okay? Benfica are lacking personality. They're lacking character. They're lacking hunger. They're lacking fight. Our rivals are not much better, but they got the referees helping them. It's clear as day. It's obvious. Um, if something, I'm going to try not to react to what happens in that game, but I have a feeling if something happens, I may not be able to keep myself from reacting. And also, I'm hoping that my wife doesn't come down here in the next hour because I'm working right now. You know, she, as far as she knows, I'm working because if I'm not going to be working, she's going to say that uh, there's there's other things I could be doing right now. Uh, but no, I'm bringing you this episode. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay a bill and then we are going to get right into the news. It'll be a short little uh, little bit of news this week and then right in to Portimones 2, Benfica 2, a miseria continua. The absolutely abysmal performance, especially in the second half last week in the Algarve. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. or on Instagram at Mr. Benfica or on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. Also, you can check out www.mrbenfica.com and if you search Mr. Benfica on YouTube you can see my channel there I got one video up first one went up last week it was a pre-game pre-game team talk I'm calling it try to do the same thing again tomorrow before the match where I talk about what I think the team should do before the match all right check it out if you if you get a minute check it out and definitely look for it on Wednesday if you hear this podcast before you see the match with Hiwav on Wednesday. All right, we'll be right back with the news. Tavares. E Grimaldo. Não dá para continuar, é isso. Está a chorar Grimaldo. Portanto, situação complicada para o espanhol. 
and in the news this week starts off with what you just heard right there, the sound of the injury to Benfica's Spanish left back Grimaldo. Ligament damage in his knee. Grimaldo is out for the remainder of the season and who knows how far uh, beyond as most of you realize we are potentially very close to the start of the 2020 2021 season also we we haven't heard any details about that yet but we we're almost we're we're a month outside of what would normally be you know the the midst of the preseason so hopefully this is not too long of a layoff for Grimaldo but he's definitely out for the remainder of this campaign also in the news, Andre Almeida will be sitting out the next match against Rio Aves. He picked up his fifth yellow card against Portimonense, which lands him a suspension for the next match. Benfica youth team prospect Gonzalo Ramos has been called into the first team for the Rio Ave match. He could potentially make his first team senior debut in the match. And aside from that, the news is really, really quiet. Um, you know, Luis Fieda's talking. Nobody's listening. <laughs> uh, Bruno Lage has lost all ability to uh, to make sense. He used to sound like a used to sound like a poet almost. He was like a, a soccer or a football professor in his post game press conferences. Now he's telling us things are good. He's going to see the ocean with the president. Things are not good. Um, so. I, I really wish everyone involved in this club would just address that things are not good and that corrections need to be made. Uh, those of you that watched the match saw Samadhi sitting in the press box or in the luxury box suffering, suffering. How is that man not the captain of this team? This team with no guts, with no heart, with no character right now, and the only guy that's got all that is sitting upstairs watching the matches. That better change soon if Bruno Lage wants to keep his job and if Benfica want to continue um, to have a chance to win the championship this season. Let's go to the results from round 26 in Liga Nage. It got started off last week on the 9th of June. Gilles Vicente won. Fumalicão Trish. Three, Family Count 3, I'm sorry, uh, bilingual mode there. Uh, Family Count on pretty amazing form since coming back from the hiatus. On June the 10th, Dia de Portugal, we had Vitoria Stubal 2, Santa Clara 2. As you know, Portimonense 2, Benfica 2. Football Club do Porto 1, Maritimo 0. On June 11th, Bulanes Sad 1. Vitória Guimarães 1 and Tundela 2. Avj 0 in a match they sorely needed points. Avj sitting in the basement of the league. And on the 12th, we had two more matches. Morirense 0, Rio Ave 1. Another win for Rio Ave for our next opponent. This one coming on the road. They are perfect 2 for 2 since returning from the hiatus. And Sporting wins a game. That's right, Sporting Club Portugal with a win. Uh, Ruben Amorim picks up the win at the Estadio Alvalade over Passos Ferreira 1-0. And then on June 13th, the next day, the skid continues for what was the most informed team in the league before the COVID, uh, before the COVID crisis. Sporting Club de Braga 0, Boa Vista 1 at the Pedreira. Those are the results, but I am happy to announce that we have some results for round 26 already, and I'm happy to report. I'm only going to give you one of them, but very important. Happened in the last couple of minutes. Desportivo das Aves, nil. Futebol Clube do Porto, nil. Zé Luiz missing a penalty kick that should not have been called. Justice was served there. Carlos Sistra, the referee, just like he was in our game last weekend. It looks, it's an identical style of refereeing. He calls ridiculous things, and then he waits for the VAR to either to either verify or not. And once again, he added another seven, eight minutes of stoppage time to the end of the match, just like he did in our match last week, because he overuses the VAR. But... Anyhow, Porto, just as abysmal as Benfica in terms of creativity. Both teams do the same thing. When they panic, they just they just throw more forwards, more strikers onto the pitch, and lob more high balls into the box. Um, 
a big point for the last place team. Not sure they're going to be able to dig their way out of last place. It's a long shot, but this does go um, a ways for them. This is a point they did not count on having. All right, on the other side here, we're going to play Reconquista, and then we're going to get right into the match. Portimonense, Benfica, round 26, Liganage, here on Mr. Benfica. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho Vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo so it's round 26 Liga Nage, and it was Dia de Portugal. It was Day of Portugal, Camões, and of the Portuguese language and community. A uh, very important holiday in Portugal. It was Wednesday, June the 10th, of course. And in the beautiful sunshine of the Algarve, the Estádio Municipal de Portimão in the city of Portimão. Portimão, excuse me. Portimonense versus Benfica. Let's go to the lineups. And the home team would line up this way with a Japanese goalkeeper Suzuki Gonda in goal. Emmanuel Hackman was the right back. The center back pairing of Lucas and Willian. And Enrique was the left defender. Four across the midfield for Portimonense. Lucas Fernandes on the right. Denner and Pedro Sá in the middle uh, as a double pivot. And a Junior going down the left side. Up front, a formidable uh, strike tandem actually with... Um, a player who seems to always play very well against Benfica, that is Tabata, of course, always gives Benfica's backline headaches. He paired up with Ricardo Vajte, the former Portugal international and former English Premier League striker. Benfica, you heard on my, if you heard my YouTube video, my my pre-match team talk, I told you who I thought was going to play, and I told you. Who I would have played. This team is slightly different than what I thought. Um, Vlacodimos was in goal again. Odi, of course. Andre Almeida, Ruben Dias, Jardel, and Grimaldo across the back. No surprises there. And then in midfield, it was Weigel teaming up with Adel Tarapt. And not, and not um, Gabriel in this one. PZ stays in the starting 11 despite a poor showing in the previous match. And Franco Cervi is introduced to the 11. He returns to the starting lineup um, after not being in the 11 the week prior. With Rafa slotting into the supporting forward position behind Carlos Vinicius. Alright, so with Carlos Vinicius on the field... Naturally, let's whip in 100 crosses again, right? Let's see how this one pay, uh, panned out as we go 
to the minute by minute. And we'll just run through it quickly. It won't be as in-depth, of course, as the pre-COVID version of this show was, as I am now doing this on a much tighter schedule. And quite frankly, this this game was good for about 30 minutes. Benfica played well for about 30 minutes. That's not good enough. Bruno Lage said in the post-match that... Here's okay. Let, let's sidetrack. Let's start with Bruno Lage. Okay, I have defended Bruno Lage for the previous sixty episodes. Okay, and you can fault me for that. I've always given him the benefit of the doubt, mostly based on what he did last year and how. How I don't understand how someone who last year knew what he was doing, who made the right moves, who said the right things. I don't know how in one calendar year he somehow has forgotten everything there is to know about football. I don't believe it. Something's going on behind the scenes. He's not the one calling the shots. I can't believe he is. It's either that or he has given up and he is reserved to the fact that he is going to be sacked or be replaced. Who knows? Maybe maybe he wants to maybe he wants to step down and they won't, you know, they won't pay him out who knows what's going on I don't know but it does not look like he wants to win this guy's got no emotion I know he's a calm person I know he's someone who who is reserved emotionally and I know he 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 trusts his players to do a lot but the season is on the line the championship is on the line in every match okay you have a you have an unbelievable gift of an opportunity to go into first place and to solidify and be isolated in first place with a victory okay you have the chance to be it's just you have the chance to put all the pressure in the world on football club de porto okay you just blew a chance a week ago how many chances do you think you're going to get this team came out and for 30 minutes they looked like they they knew they had to win this match and they wanted to win this match and for 30 minutes they looked like they want to be champions and then they took their foot off the pedal. I don't think it's a fitness thing, okay? I think they're fit. I don't think they're mentally tough. I don't think that they are mentally strong. They they appear to be very babied. Okay? They appear to have everything done. This club did everything for them and more and then in the in the post match presser Bruno Lage talking like he's a youth coach which is what he has been for much of his career but he's still talking like a youth coach and saying that well this week we played a good 45 minutes next week we're going to try to extend those 45 minutes no that's not how it works Bruno Lage we've got a limited number of matches left to go we got eight matches left to go okay eight finals you don't you don't play well for 45 and then for 50 the weekend. No, you get results. Put the team on the pitch to get results. At this point, nobody cares about the performance. At this point, nobody cares if you're playing well for 30 minutes or if you're connecting uh, you know, more passes than the, the other team or if you're possessing for X amount of minutes. Nobody cares about that. It's all about the results. And you got to learn to hold a result. And it's not by making ridiculous substitutions. It's not by sitting back. It's by controlling the match. And this team takes their foot off the pedal and they cede control of the match to the opponent who is in 17th place. No way should the 17th place team ever take control of a match for that long of a stretch against Benfica. So we start off, and like I said, Benfica starts well. Now that I'm I'm done ranting about Bruno Lage, and in the 18th minute, we get our first of the match. And if there was ever a player that needed badly to get a goal, it was this guy. All right, let's have a listen here, courtesy of RTP. It's Peasy putting Benfica on the board. No jogo. Atenção, este passo, excelente. É Rafa para trás, Pizzi, golo! Benfica, marca aos 18 minutos. 1-0, marca Pizzi, é o seu 27º gol na Liga Portuguesa. Vamos ver se há aqui alguma irregularidade. And that's Pizzi with his 15th goal of the season. Draws him level with Carlos Vinicius for the top scoring position in the league. Okay. Um, 
getting Benfica on the score sheet early. Exactly what I thought Benfica needed was to get on the score sheet early, set the tone early. Rafa with a beautiful assist on this play. All right, the ball was sent in by Ruben Dias out of the back. He finds Rafa, and Rafa showing that he is he is still the best player we have for that position. If we're going to play this four four two style, and we're going to have a you know, or this four four one one style or system that we like to play, even though João Felix is gone, if someone is going to slot in, he's not João Felix, but he's still the best one at that position. We saw last week Adelta Opt finds himself playing with his back to goal too much in that position. Rafa much better at rounding off his runs and getting himself into positions in between the lines where he can turn and face the 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 goal he is attacking face the defenders he is attacking and on this one he finds space Rafa did not have a good game but Rafa what I like about Rafa is when he's even when he's playing horrible because in this match he did not complete one single dribble this stack came out on goal point after the match Rafa did not have one successful dribble in this match but he still had an assist he still got the ball to a player who scored a goal all the hailing everyone does for Adel Tarapt, and I'm not trying to, to, to hate on Adel Tarapt, okay? Adel Tarapt has phenomenal skill. He does some very good things on the ball. He succeeds in a lot of dribbles. Adel Tarapt, in round 26, still has one goal, one assist. And I don't mean to be beaten up on him, and his name is going to come up again, okay? But it's only fair. I'm going to talk about what happened and not what I wanted to have seen, Okay. I'm going to talk about what happened in this match, okay? And But I don't want everyone to think I'm picking on Adel Tarapta. I have nothing against Adel Tarapta. I think he's a phenomenal player. He's come a long way. He's a great story, okay? But, but there are parts of his game that are lacking. And getting the decisive final pass or putting play, his teammates in a goal-scoring situation for as good of a passer as he is has not seemed to materialize this season. One goal. One assist for Adel Tarapt. Keep that in mind. Rafa gets another assist here. And he sets up Peasy. Peasy with a very nice left-footed blast. Past the goalkeeper. And Benfica are on the score sheet early, like we said. Ahead 1-0 after 18 minutes. We move forward. And we get a substitution already in the 23rd minute. And this is the first uh, first injury of the match. And unfortunately for a player who I think was was filling in well and I think who was, who was um, bringing some st stability to that back line, Jardel goes off injured. And he is he is replaced by Ferru. So Ferru, his little break is over after 20 minutes. And he is back on the pitch. And um, oh, I shouldn't say 20 minutes. He sat last week against Tondela. And then he returns here 20 minutes into this match. And Ferru back in to the Benfica 11. As we move forward. We have William winning a free kick in the 27th minute. Nothing comes of it. It's a foul by Carlos Vinicius in the 30th. A foul by Enrique um, on Julian Weigel, but it's in Benfica's defensive half. But but the ball gets worked around. Weigel eventually plays it back to Ruben Dias, and then we have this. Da atitude, que é muitas vezes relegada para plano secundário. Apesar de esta retoma ter proporcionado muitos resultados surpreendentes. Atenção e o golo! Golo do Benfica marca André Almeida. 31 minutos depois uma, de um falhanço glamouroso de Lucas Pucinholo. André Almeida é o que havia marcado também ao Portimonense na primeira volta no Estádio da Luz. So it's Andre Almeida with his third of the season. And it's the second he scored against Portimonense this season. Off a nice assist from Pizzi. Pizzi, of course, receiving the long ball from Ruben Dias. Ruben Dias picks him out on the touchline. Uh, Pizzi picks his head up and with one stroke hits the ball with the outside of his right foot. Bends it right into the area where... 
Andre Almeida is running and Portimonense's central defender Lucas in a bit of abysmal defending, just horrible defending, falls down and allows Almeida to walk in and make it 2-0 to Azagias. And Benfica looked to be cruising in the 30th minute and um, PZ should have uh, taken his boots off and called it a day at this point. With a goal and an assist, um, had he had he come out of the match at this point, I think this would have been a, a very nice performance for him. Unfortunately, PZ goes missing the rest of the match. I'm starting to get hard on him, you're probably thinking. But um, we, we just need more from everybody. And again, you could already see the complacency start to set in. All right. Um, in the 39th minute, uh, Bruno Tabata of Portimonense misses with a left-footed shot from the right side of the box. It's high and wide, but already Benfica dropping the rhythm, dropping the tempo, and allowing Portimonense to get confidence and allowing Portimonense to think they can get back into this. And in the 43rd, though, it is Rafa with a right-footed shot from the right side of the box, but it is saved in the center of the goal. Benfica squandering an opportunity to go ahead 3-0, and they will live to regret that. And um, that will take us to halftime. Uh, the referee, Carlos Cesar, blows his whistle at 45 plus 4. And uh, we'll keep track of the running stoppage time that Mr. Sistra likes to add on to, to matches. But it's plus four in the first half. So at 45 plus four, he blows for halftime. It's Portimones nil, Benfica two as the team's ahead for the team room. And we take a quick break here on Mr. Benfica. I am, of course... The Mr. Mike Agustinu. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And on Facebook at www.facebook.com. We'll be right back with the second half. Don't move a muscle. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 61. And um, unfortunately, we got the good part out of the way. The rest of this is not going to be nearly as much fun. What I did fail to mention in the news segment, and I meant to mention, is that starting with this round here, this round 26, uh, the Portuguese League now has approved the five substitution rule. This was a, There was some conversation about this in the postgame, of course, uh, Paul Sergio, the manager for Portimonense, stated that he was not in favor of it. Um, he says it's just another rule that that helps the 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 larger teams, and I actually agree with him. I agree with Paulo Sergio. I agree with all the small team managers. This rule only helps Benfica Sporting and Porto, the teams that have the deep enough rosters to now use more players. Um, but the way the rule works is five substitutions are allowed per match, but only three stoppages per team. So you can you can sub all five people at once. You can sub one, one, and three. You can sub two, two, and one. You can make any combination of three substitution stoppages. Five total players can come on and off. So Paulo Sergio is the first one to go to the bench. Well, he's not the first one, but he goes to the bench, I should say. Uh, Benfica had already had to go to the bench with the injury to Jardel. But at halftime, it is Portimonense bringing on Ailton Boamort, the nephew of uh, former Arsenal and Sporting player Luis Boamort, former Portugal international, as well as... Um, as well as Fali Kande, who replaces Pedro Sá. So a double substitution, tactical double substitution for Portimones. And as soon as the second half starts, you can see Benfica have left their game in the locker room, in the team room. Okay, Benfica come out like they've already won this match. Like, like Portimones, I'm just going to lay dead. 
Portimonense are fighting for their lives in the first division. Why would you think that they are just going to lay down for you? That's not even getting into their connection with Football Club de Porto. I'm not even going there in this match, okay? Paul Sergio left Jackson Martinez on the bench. He was questioned about that, okay? I'm not even going to go there because... Benfica did not deserve anything more than they got in this match. The one point, okay? They came out in the second half like a bunch of spoiled rich boys, which is what they are at times. They are rich and they are spoiled, but they act like it at times, and they act like it in this match. They came out like uh, they were too good to work. Like this this match was one done, dusted, on to the next one. And little by little, the complacency starts setting in, starts setting in. Okay, little, little by little. And then comes the moment you heard the recording of the audio um, in the news segment. Right off the top of the news segment, you heard Grimaldo goes down with an injury. I'm going to skip right to that part um, because this is a very ugly football. Very, very ugly as we get to there. And in minute 63, Grimaldo is substituted off. Um, he he was victim of a nasty collision. Um, I don't believe there was any malice in the play, but it was a nasty collision in which his knee got got really upended and and the landing was ugly. And there's definitely some ligament damage there. You could see right away. Uh, Grimaldo subbed off in the 63rd minute, and it is the reintroduction of Nuno Tavares. Remember Nuno Tavares way way back in August and July. Remember him playing right back, the lefty playing right back, and I came on this podcast for several weeks in a row saying every time the ball gets swung to the right side, Nun Tavares kills the play because he has to put it on his left foot on the inside. The ball is no longer protected, and the ball stops going forward. He ends up having to pass square or backwards every single time. Um, same Nun Tavares, although now playing in his proper position, and I feel fine having him there because – Though it's been a long time since preseason, this has been the longest season. It will be the longest season on record um, as it's going to go close to an entire calendar year from start to finish. Um, a long time ago, but Nuntavar showed a lot of promise when he's able to play down the left. He's got good pace. He's a good crosser of the ball. Maybe not as good as Grimaldo, but Grimaldo has not been playing well. Let's keep that in mind. Grimaldo has not been playing well. And you know what? Bruno Elijah, I'm going to talk to you again. This is a substitution you should have made before somebody was injured. Maybe he wouldn't have been injured if you had made the substitution before. Maybe you'd be able to split time a little more. You don't have to roll Grimaldo out every single game. He does not need to play 80 matches a season. I don't know why certain players just never come out. Grimaldo, peasy. They never come out. There's matches where they're not playing well. There's runs of form that are not good. And there's guys on the bench that want to play. The young Nuntovarish gets his chance here. Coming in in the 63rd minute. Um, and that position I believe is going to be his the rest of the season. And in the 61st sloppy play as Peasy picks up a foul on Willian. And, again, before they even get out of the back, it is Carlos Vinicius also picking up a foul. Uh, we move forward now, and we head to a minute 64, and I said his name was going to come up again. Okay, it starts with the corner, but it's cleared. But the ball gets knocked wide again, and Adele Terapt, way, way wide, chasing the play out to the touchline. And Bruntabata has his back to the pitch. Bruntabata's face is facing the, the stand, the empty stands. And this is not to pick on Tarapt because all of these players on all of these Portuguese league teams make the same stupid mistake in this situation where they overcommit when the attacker has nowhere to go and they bail him out with the cheap foul. Tarap, no need to, to commit a foul there right up against the corner flag. Basically giving Portimonense a corner kick. And wouldn't you know it, Denair on the header 
from the free kick. It is played into the box by Tabata. I told you this guy lights it up when he plays against Benfica. He loves playing against Benfica. He delivers a very good ball from the from the set piece, drops it right at the top of the goal area, out of Odie's reach, and Denner finds his way between the two center backs and rises higher and heads it past Odie. And just like that, Benfica's lead is cut in half to two to one. And at this point I'm already I was already furious because I saw what was coming. The complacency was there. And there's just no sense of urgency in this team. They don't seem to pick themselves up. It's just like, hey, what? Whatever. They look around. No nervousness. No no stress. No worry. No, you know, they panic later. But no concern at this time. It's like, it's like they have a long string of wins coming. And, you know, all the pundits say this, and at the end of this match, it's like, well, now we just have to win the uh, the next eight matches. You want to win the next eight matches when you've got one win in the last ten? Let's worry about one match at a time. They were already thinking about the next match at this point. They weren't thinking about this one. They forgot that they have won one match in the last, at this point, nine, now ten one victory in the last 10 for this team. Who are they to start looking ahead to the next match? You think you're better than the other teams? Right now, Benfica is not playing like it. And I'm putting some of this on the manager. Because he just sits there and and paces calmly back and forth in the technical area. There's no instructions, okay? There's no sense of... Uh, of he doesn't light a fire under anybody. I know last year this was great. This was we played great because of it. Well, last year is in the past. This year is where we are now. Okay, the stadium is empty. You don't have fans to pick you up. The manager's role is that much more important where he needs to be he needs to make an image of himself that he wants his players or he needs his players to emulate on the pitch. These players do they do play they basically are you know, made in the image of their manager. Very, very lax. Very, very unconcerned. Very calm. Too calm. So it wouldn't take long, as you know. And uh, we do have a yellow card in the 72nd minute for Lucas Pasignolo, the center back for uh, Portimones. And uh, PZ has a right-footed effort Blocked in the 73rd minute from outside the box on a pass from Adel Terap. Maybe that's why Adel Terap doesn't have any assists because he keeps passing to PZ. Who knows? But listen, PZ is joint top scorer in the league. Carlos Vinicius is joint top scorer in the league. How do you only have one goal and one assist? And Terap keeps picking up yellow cards. We need Tarapt on the pitch, but we do need him playing out of the midfield. And perhaps he's got to do what I what I was, you know, applauding and what I was um, always recognizing Gabriel for last season, which is getting what I call the second assist or the ice hockey assist, where he makes the pass to the player who gets the assist. Um, that that's the role I think for Adel Terap. He does need to break the lines with the dribble. He's very good on the dribble. Okay, he's very good on the pass, but he he has to find himself in better positions. Okay, Weigel has to find him in better positions. Weigel had another pretty decent match here. Not as good as the week before. Of course, he was subbed early the week before, and then he got hit. You know, he was on the bus. For that bus attack, and I wasn't sure that his his uh, mental state or his psychological state was that of of um, what I'd want on the pitch in this match. But the the manager went with Weigel anyway. He is a twenty million dollar transfer, but in the end, you know, you can see control of the match just slipping out of the hands of Benfica. So we get to the seventy fifth minute, and again on a corner kick, okay. The corner kick is taken by Tabata. Again, puts it perfectly on the head of Lucas Pasignolo. Lucas puts it on goal 
Odie makes a reflex save. He hardly had any time to react. Manages to get his hand up. Save it. The clearance is poor from Befica. It finds its way to Emmanuel Hackman. Hackman plays it back to Junior. And Junior Tavares with the left foot picks up what looks like it's going to be the goal of the season. He absolutely unleashes and unloads a rifle missile, if you will, that just dances and with eyes finds its way into the top corner. Absolutely brilliant finish. Absolutely brilliant strike from Junior Tavares. And just like that, the lead is gone. Befica squandering point. They feel it slipping. It's 2-2 with a quarter of an hour to play. And Bruno, what does Bruno Lage do? Let's take a guess. Anybody got, a, anybody got an idea out there what Bruno Lage did? Okay, he did exactly what he's done in every match. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So... Let's keep going to the same strategy, the same adjustment that hasn't worked for 10 weeks. Diego Souza comes on. Franco Cervi is off. And let's start throwing people up front. Let's get go and get more forwards. Um, he also, in that substitution, brings on Gabriel for Adele Terapt. I'm a big Gabriel fan. This is not what the match called for. I don't think Gabriel was what the match called for. Um, again, for as much as I just criticized Tadop's lack of production statistically, I'd still rather have him out there at this point because he is capable of making that pass because he is capable of finding the player that will get the assist. Uh, Gabriel was doing that last year. That was a long time ago. Gabriel is not fully fit. Okay. He does, however... Almost as soon as he steps on the pitch, he does, however, almost make the play of the of the matches. He collects the ball near the the goal line um, in the le far left side of of the attack to the goalkeeper's right. He beats the defender, starts carrying towards goal, tries to play a ball on the ground onto the run of of Diego Souza. The goalkeeper does get a hand to it. Okay, he gets his hand on it. Gorda does, and he deflects it so that Vinicius can't get onto it. It goes behind him, and it just no Benfica player can get on the end of this. I watched this play, and I rewound it and watched it again, and this team does not practice this situation. It's a great play. It's a great way to get goals is to, to gain the line or to get in the box and to dribble at goal and then slide the ball along the ground for on-running teammates. Unfortunately, when it gets deflected, people's support runs are completely off. PZ is directly behind Vinicius, so the deflection gets by him as well. Nobody's making the right runs. Nobody's run is going in support. Nobody is where they need to be. You got three guys making the same exact run to the same spot rather than these runs being more spread out. This is something the manager needs to work on. This is something you can do in recovery. This is not a high-impact training. This is very simple training that you can do the day after a match. You can walk through it and just practice the, the lanes you're going to run, the routes you're going to run instead of three players. I believe it was Diego Sosa, Carlos Vinicius, and PZ all running to the same spot. Benfica miss a golden opportunity to get back ahead. And in the 83rd, it is another substitution for Portimonense as they bring on Jadson and take off Lucas Fernandes. In the 85th, we get a yellow card to Portimonense's Betu for a foul on Ruben Dias, a bad foul. And in the 85th, it's Gabriel going in the book. Same 85th. And actually, the foul was suffered by Gabriel. And he gets up and pushes the player. I'm not remembering exactly what happened. But he gets himself in there and gets himself booked when he's been on the on the pitch a whole 10 minutes. And Gabriel picks, a booking, picks up a booking as well um, for a foul on Denner. 
And we have another yellow card still in the 85th minute. Carlos Sista growing, going card happy now. This time it's Emmanuel Hackman for Portimones. Um, Gabriel has his left-footed effort from outside the outside the box. Blocked in the 90th. He's set up by Weigel. In the 90th still. Portimones with the chance to take all three points as Bruno Tabata's left-footed shot from the left side of the box misses just right. He was just to the right. He was set up by Ailton Boamart. And we move forward as we get another another long, long <laughs> stoppage time. But in the 90th plus six. It would be Portimonis making their final substitution. Romolo replacing Denaire. And in the 90th plus 9, it sounded like this. Here's the final play of the match. Benfica with a corner and a chance to steal three points late. Where it's 2-2 two to two and it is minute 90 plus 9. That's the 99th minute. Almost 100th minute of the match. Voltar a ficar a dois pontos do Porto. Não aproveitou a escorregadela do Porto em Famalicão. Canto. Cabeceamento e agarra Gonda. Foi o Rubem Dias a fazer o cabeceamento. E agora sim não deve tardar o apito final. Acaba a partida. O Benfica empata em Portimão e cede mais pontos. Vamos ver o que é que o Porto faz com o Marítimo. É tudo. Muito obrigado. Até à próxima. So Ruben Diaz getting on the end of a corner kick at the very end of the match. Final play. He gets a he gets a good head onto it, but unfortunately it's right at Gonda. And it's another squandered corner kick, which must bring the total over the past two weeks to about a hundred squandered corner kicks. But um too little too late. Benfica unable to take advantage um of Porto's failed points the week before and unable to Unable to assert themselves in first place. And two hours later or so, Porto would win at home to Maritimo and go back to first place by themselves. That's the end of the match. And it is Portimonense 2, Benfica 2. I've already talked about what was said in the post game by the manager, um, by both managers really. And now I'm, we're going to go to the goal point really quickly. As we look at the the ratings for this match for both teams. So starting with the home side, uh, the goalkeeper Gonda, 5.5 in goal. And we have Hackman with the 4.5. William, 6.6. Lucas with a 4.8. Of course, Lucas with that blunder that led to Andrea Almeida's goal. Enrique, 4.5. Bruno Tabata, 7.4. Denner, 7.6. Lucas Fernandes, 4.3. Pedro Sá, 5.3. And Junior Tavares, the goal scorer on the tying goal with a 6.1. Ricardo Vajte with a 5.0. Didn't really... Make much of a name for himself in this match. Didn't really wasn't really noticed, I should say, in this match. Benfica's ratings now uh, in goal: Vlacodimos five point four, Andre Almeida five point nine, Ruben Dias six point two, Jardel five point one, Grimaldo five point three, Pizzi with a seven point five, and that's very heavy on statistics because he had a goal and an assist. Um, again, he. He um, started launching those crosses that I absolutely hate that I that I ranted about last week. Just blind crosses into the box from anywhere. And the other team's back line is always ready for it. And they're watching that ball all the way in. Um, they always have the better angle. Um, I really, really despise those crosses. Um, but nonetheless, PZ, Benfica's top performer in this match with the 7.5. Weigel, 6.6. Tarapt, 5.8. Chervi, 4.7. Vinicius, 4.5. He would be the lowest output for the starters. And Rafa with a 5.6 and an assist. Uh, off the bench, Ferru, 5.9. Nuntovarsh, 4.6. And Diego Souza 5.1 as as is for Gabriel and Seferovic. So um 
really a mediocre performance all in all for me outside of the first 30 minutes if you ask me uh, a lot of people critis- critical of Diego Souza but um, one thing that's really starting to get on my nerves is that Diego Souza only comes on when <laughs> he only comes on when the match becomes desperate okay he never gets a chance to come on or to start on the field and try to work his way into the game and try to get himself in goal scoring positions so that he can get on the end of crosses. He always comes on when we need a goal most, when the other team is sitting with their entire team on their back line, their entire team waiting. And um, I would like to see the, uh, and I know I'm in the minority because I see the social media after matches, but I'd like to see Diego Souza get a chance to play from the start. We're not getting anything out of Carlos Vinicius right now. There's no no reason not to make that switch against Hiwav. Um uh, let's go to the stats then, all right, in this match as I pulled them up here. The man of the match was Adener Clement from from uh, Portimonense, and looking at his statistics, he had a goal. He had a 93% uh, pass efficiency. He had nine long passes attempted, eight successfully completed. He had two dribbles attempted, one was complete, five steals or five disarms. Uh, one interception and one blocked shot, and his heat map is all over the back half of the middle third, um, which tells you the type of the territory that Portimones were able to to control and were able to play from. They were not penned in the way they should have been. Um, so, uh, a very a very pretty good performance for Denner Clement here, but. Benfica should have been much better quickly with the stats. Shots, Benfica 11, Portimonense 10. Shots on goal for for each. Shots from inside the area, 7 for Benfica, 6 for Portimonense. Pass efficiency, Portimonense 81% efficient, Benfica 79%. Uh, Both teams were 60% efficient on the forward pass or the vertical pass. Benfica with 61 duels won to Portimonense is 56. 19 fouls committed by Portimonense. 16 by Benfica. Five corners to Portimonense. Only three to Benfica in this match. It seems like more. But possession goes to Portimonense. 53% to 47. Before we go this week, let's take a look now at the standings as they stand right now on June the 16th, late in the afternoon. Porto, our first but they have 27 matches played now. 20 victories, 4 draws, 3 defeats, 64 points. Benfica 3 back, but with the match in hand. Obviously, as we play tomorrow, Benfica 61 points. 3rd place, Braga 46. Uh, they're level on points with 4th place, Sporting. Braga are ahead, uh, at least for now, in the goal difference with uh, a plus 13 to Sporting's plus 12. Fumalicão are 5th. And they're looking at that fifth place spot that should mean a spot in the Europa League. They got 43 points. Right behind them are our next uh, competitors, our next opponents, Carlos Carvalhal's Riwav. They got 41 in sixth place. Vitória Guimarães, 39 in seventh. Santa Clara is eighth on 35 points. Moreirense, ninth with 33. Boa is tenth with 32. And then we've got... Vitoria Stubel and Bulinis Saad each with 30 points, uh, 12th and 13th respectively. Tondela is 14th with 29. Maritimo 15th with 28. Passos de Freira 16th with 25. And then in the drop zone, in the relegation zone, it is our uh, opponents in this last round. Portimones, 17th place, 21 points. And below them is Desportivo das Aves. 27 matches played, 14 points. They are 11 points from safety. They did pick up a point tonight in what was a case of a what was a case of these two rivals at the top of the table, Benfica and Porto, just playing a ridiculous game of hot potato with the lead. Neither team wants the lead. Uh, Benfica last week dropping two points to Portimonense, 17th place. Today, Porto said to Benfica, anything you can do, I can do better. Porto dropped two points to last place, Sportivo de Zavre, a team with only 14 points now, but one of them 
comes at the expense of the leaders, Porto. Okay, really quickly, the the leaders in scoring, Carlos Vinicius and Pizzi with 15 apiece. Vinicius wins the tiebreaker, not having any penalty goals. Third is Fabio Abreu from Morerense. The Angolan has 10 goals, as does Paulinho from Sporting Braga. And Sandro Lima as well from Gil Vicente with 10 goals. Assists belongs to Pizzi with 9. And even though he's in poor form, he started the season in such a tear that he's still atop most of the statistics. And the highest average rating for the player still in the league is Peasy with an average 7.73 game rating on FOTMOB. All right, that is going to do it for this episode. That is going to do it for episode 61 of Mr. Benfica. Don't forget, before the benfica Riwav match, all right, click the link on my um, on the show notes here to go to my YouTube channel. And I fully plan on getting a pre-match team talk out on YouTube. It'll be the second edition um, where I'll talk about what I think Befica, how I think Befica should line up against Riuav here in round 27, which kicks off on Wednesday, the 17th of June tomorrow. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you for joining me. This has been Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and I will see you next week back here on Mr. Benfica.